Welcome to the Troy Chi Alpha Podcast, reconciling students to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. In today's episode, you'll be listening to our sermon delivered at this week's Wednesday Night Worship. Hey, tonight is Missions Night at uh, Wednesday Night Worship, which is uh, a big deal for us. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight uh, about the subject of missions. And so um, I'm going to start with a story, if that's okay. Um, You guys have probably never heard of uh, this young man uh, by the name of uh, William Borden. But in Cairo, Egypt, there is a tombstone. And on it is written this inscription. Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a, a life. William Borden was uh, born the heir to the Borden family fortune. His father had made uh, his fortune um, in silver mining out in Colorado. And he was set for life from birth. Uh, in his early years, his family uh, became followers of Jesus. Um, they converted and became evangelical Christians early on in life. And so he was raised in the church. At the age of 16, um, for his 16th birthday, he was given a birthday present, a trip around the world. You know that his family was wealthy if his 16th birthday was a trip around the world. And so he traveled to Europe, to Asia, to Africa, uh, to the Middle East, uh, and he got to see uh, all parts of the world at the early age of 16. After finishing high school early, um, he was enrolled in Yale University. At Yale University, he found himself quite disappointed with the culture and with the atmosphere and with the general tone um, and attitude of most of the students. You see, most of the students at that time in the early 1900s had very little spiritual direction, had very little spiritual fervor. In fact, uh, God was probably the farthest thing from most of their minds. Um, They lived uh, sinful, selfish, self-centered lives. And um, Borden was not satisfied with the spiritual climate of his campus. So Borden recruited two other freshmen, and he began to meet before breakfast each morning to pray that God would do a work on his campus. And he prayed each morning until the end of his freshman year, there were 150 other freshmen that had joined him for his morning uh, prayer and Bible studies. And so he continued uh, this prayer and Bible study until he had to, to, to recruit other leaders to lead different ones, and they would divide up into groups of 300 until his senior year. Um, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 enrolled students were participating in one of Borden's uh, Bible study and prayer meetings. He even began to hold uh, world missions conferences on his campus to, to share about the plight of the unreached people around the world. He would tell them about the people that he had met on his trip when he was 16, about the Muslims in North China, the, the people around the world that had never heard the gospel, and he would share with them what he believed was God's heart and God's desire to send people from Yale University to be missionaries to the lost and unreached people of the world. After his graduation from Yale, he went to Princeton for divinity school. He finished with his divinity degree, his, his seminary training at Princeton, and he had offers to teach at such prestigious universities or or places such as the Moody Bible Institute 
and he was invited to sit on, on various boards because of his wealth and his, his father's influence. He was invited by his family to take over the family business and just basically be rich for the rest of his life for a living. But Borden turned down all of those things, and he turned away his family fortune. He turned away an opportunity to make a name for himself apart from his own family. And instead, he felt that the Lord was calling him to return to northern China to reach the very little-known Muslims of northern China that he had met when he was 16 years old on that trip around the world. And so he set out for Cairo, Egypt, to learn Arabic and to learn more about Muslim culture in preparation for reaching the Muslims of northern China. But within only four months of arriving in Cairo, he contracted spinal meningitis and died. And he was buried in Cairo, Egypt. His tombstone is there today. And on that tombstone, it, it reads, Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. What would possess someone who was born into wealth? Someone who had degrees from Yale and Princeton, who had job offers, no one could turn down. What would convince someone to live this life that would be such great risk to his physical health, to his financial wealth? Borden died wealthy. He left $800,000 in a trust for anyone who would go and reach the unreached Muslim people groups of northern China. There's a, a hospital named after him there today, um, a Christian hospital that was established after uh, missionaries went and traveled and shared the gospel there. Upon um, his death, a, a cable was sent back to the U.S., and great mourning went throughout all of um, Yale and Princeton universities because he was well-known and well-loved uh, by everyone there, by people uh, in the American Bible Society. And after his death, some of his classmates uh, who knew him well from his time there at Yale, um, they were looking through one of his, his journals, and they, they, they used this quote because they felt like it it best described the person that he was as a college student. But they found this inscription in his journal in one of his daily entries. And it, it read like this. It says, say no to self and say yes to Jesus every time. Say no to self and say yes to Jesus every time. What would possess a 22-year-old millionaire to give up everything and sail around the world to Cairo, Egypt, to learn Arabic, to reach Muslim peoples in a place that he had visited once. Tonight, I want to juxtapose the life of William Borden against another young, wealthy person that we see in the scripture. In Luke chapter 18, maybe you're familiar with a passage, the story that we call the rich young ruler. In Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18, this is what it says. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all of these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad 
for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 41% of the world's population is considered unreached. 41% of the world's population is unreached. That represents 7,407 distinct people groups, distinct language or ethnic or cultural groups of people that remain completely unreached or untouched with the gospel. 3.2 billion human souls with zero access to the gospel. When I say unreached, I don't mean lost. I don't mean unsaved. I don't mean that they've never gone to church before. What I mean by unreached is that there is no one who speaks their language, who lives in their village, who's from their culture, who bears witness to the name of Jesus. That even if they had a desire to know Jesus, there's no one who could bear witness of his name to them. They are completely unreached and untouched with the gospel. Oswald J. Smith said this, We talk about the second coming, and half the world has never heard of the first. Think about the petty disputes we have among us in church. Think about the doctrinal arguments we have or the things that we spend copious amounts of time discussing or arguing over. When almost half of the world has yet to hear the gospel for one time. That over half the world doesn't even have a single person who speaks their language or lives in their village or their town or their city that could share the gospel with them. We have to ask ourselves some really simple questions tonight. Does Jesus want to reach the unreached? I kind of feel silly even saying it out loud. It's as if we believe that somehow Jesus came and he died, and he was resurrected. And he's like, you know, if you want to tell people about it, I guess that would be okay. But if not, you know, go back to Call of Duty. I'm sure that's important. Does Jesus want to reach the unreached? Or do we believe that it is his desire that they would perish for their lack of knowledge, for their lack of having a witness in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says this, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. It is the will of God that laborers be sent out to share the gospel with every people group on earth. I say, well, what does this have to do with me, and what does this have to do with this story about rich people? Because, well, I'm not rich. The reality is this, is that you have your whole life ahead of you. And the fact that you're here at a university, getting an education means that you're going to have lots of opportunities one day. Most of you are going to leave here and you're going to have the opportunity. If you were to choose to work hard enough to present yourself well, you're going to have businesses who are going to want to offer you significant salaries with benefits. Okay, you say, well, I'm not going to be rich. That's not rich. Rich compared to what? Rich compared to, to what you think your life ought to be like. Rich compared uh, to what you think the wealthiest person in the world is. Or rich compared 
to those who have never heard the gospel. You see, we all have ideas of what our life is going to be like. You have ideas about the man or the woman that you want to marry one day. Maybe you have ideas about the number of kids you want to have. Uh, maybe, maybe you even have a, a Pinterest board uh, about what your house is going to look like and what your color scheme is going to be or these other details that you have planned out for your life. It's as if we think that God cares more about our comfort than he does their lostness. It's as if we think God cares more about our comfort than he does their lostness and the fact that they have yet to hear the gospel for even the first time. It says in Luke 18, 23 and 24, it says, But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. I know that you guys don't feel rich sitting here tonight. Maybe, maybe you say, well, there's no money in my bank account right now. But at least you have a bank account. You have the technology to probably access whatever's in your bank account from your phone right now sitting here. You probably have a vehicle somewhere nearby that you could get in and drive wherever you wanted to. You have considerable means. I wish for your sake that you did not. To be honest, some of you, I wish that you didn't have the opportunity to get that computer science degree or that nursing degree or that teaching degree. For some of you, I wish that you didn't have the car sit in the parking lot or the money in the bank account because then it would be easy for you to walk away from those things that you don't have. But because you have those things, your heart is attached to them. And the thought of letting them go is scary. The thought, even the thought that Jesus might ask you to give them up is a little bit scary. And already, maybe you're tuning me out saying, I don't even want to consider that. I don't even want to consider that maybe the career field that I think I want to have is not what Jesus wants for me and that God could ask me to give up that for him. It's okay to be overwhelmed by what God might ask us to do. It's okay to be afraid of what it might look like to commit to the unknown, to say, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. It's okay that that is a little bit scary for you. It's okay to think that Jesus may ask you to give up some of the things that make you comfortable, because after all, most of us don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to be put in awkward situations. We don't like to think that we might actually fail at something and have no control. Those things are scary. And some of us might respond with sadness, thinking I could never give that up. Here's the thing, it's not about you. It's not about you conquering your fears. It's not about you being so brave that you never are afraid of anything, that you never worry about details. 
It's not about blindly following Jesus and making no plans for your life. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about saying, Jesus, I am afraid. I am worried. I am concerned and I am confused and I really don't know. Will you help me? Jesus knows our worries. He knows our concerns. He knows the fears that are going through our minds right now. He knows that we want to be happy one day. He knows that, that, that you want to be married. He knows that you want to have a family. Maybe, maybe you have like a dream vehicle. Right? Maybe, maybe one day like you want a motorcycle or, or other toys that are really fun. Jesus is aware of those things, and Jesus is aware of what it costs to give those things up. How in the world can we follow the example of William Borden rather than the example of this rich young man that Jesus encounters? You see, really, we have a choice. One of the two. We can either follow William Borden's example and say no to self and yes to Jesus every time, or we can say yes to self and no to Jesus. This is a scary proposition for us. This is something that isn't easy because after all, it's not just what we want. It's our parents' expectations. It's family members who've invested in you to get you here. It's other people that might be disappointed in you because you have such great potential. And to give all of that up is a little bit scary. What's interesting here about the story of the rich young ruler is the question that he asks. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what must I do to be saved? You see, when we talk about missionaries and missions and giving money and doing things to reach the unreached, for some reason, there is this default thought in our mind that somehow those are somehow Christian superheroes that are going above and beyond the call of duty, that have some superhuman faith, and that they are somehow the astounding and most exceeding exceptions to what the Christian life is like. But this man that Jesus asked to sell everything and follow him he wasn't asking Jesus, how, how can I be an apostle? He wasn't asking Jesus, how, how can I sit at your right hand? He wasn't saying, Jesus, how, how can I be the most important leader in the church? He was saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I read this the other day. It was a, a quote from an unknown missionary. He says, yes. Sorry. He says, will not the heathen be saved if we do not send the gospel? But are we saved ourselves if we do not send the gospel? You do not believe a gospel that you are not willing to carry to the ends of the earth. Because if you believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for salvation, Why would you condemn others to hell, knowing 
that you have the message that could bring them life? How could we be so calloused if we truly believe the gospel, if we've truly received the gospel, and think that it is for us alone and not for those who have not heard it? In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to say yes to Jesus and no to self. And I don't feel bad about that at all. Because that's what Jesus asked this young man to do, to say yes to him and no to self. In Chi Alpha, we believe in missions. We believe that the gospel of Jesus is the only solution for the world's problems in this life and in eternity. And we believe that Jesus expects us to do something about that. And we believe that it is a responsibility of every Christian. So Chi Alpha has a missions motto. And I want to share this with you, and I want to share with you guys some opportunities that you will have tonight to say yes to Jesus. Chi Alpha's missions motto is this. Every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, and every student welcomes. Every student is not just something that we say. Every student is not something that is just catchy. It doesn't mean most of us are most of us who really love Jesus more than other people or most of us who are really faithful all the time. It means every student participates in taking the gospel around the world. That all of us share a responsibility because the reality is it's too much for any of us to do on our own. The task is too great to do it on our own, and we need each other. So every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, and every student welcomes. I want to break down for you real quickly what these opportunities look like. We believe that every student should go on a short-term cross-cultural missions trip before you graduate. The thing that sparked a burden for missions in young William Borden's life was the trip he took around the world where he met firsthand members of unreached people groups who had yet to hear the gospel, and he couldn't get their faces out of his mind. And when opportunities to live a lavish lifestyle or have prestigious positions of employment presented themselves, his mind went back to the faces of the people that he knew would die and go to hell without a witness of the gospel. And so we believe that every student should go on a short-term short -term cross-cultural mission trip to see firsthand the need of the unreached people of the world. We believe that every student, every student, should give a year to missions after graduation. Our national director of Chi Alpha, Scott Martin, one of the first times I heard him speak, he said these words, he said the, the, he said, the Mormons are giving two years and Christians are giving excuses. Listen, you have the whole, your whole life ahead of you. You will never miss 10 months of your life. After graduation, you'll be the most free and the most flexible that you'll ever be for your entire life. I challenge you to give God one year, 10 months of your life and see what he will do it. Give him a year and pray about what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. I promise you that if you give God one year sincerely, that the blessings that he will put on the rest of your life will more than make up for what you think you might lose. Every student gives. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm a poor college student. First of all, that's not real. Some of you maybe don't have a lot of money, but you maybe have resources beyond just cash in your bank account. Every one of us has something that we can leverage to financially support the kingdom of God. We have something that we could sacrifice or do without to be able to make sure that others can hear the gospel. I'm not asking you to give a lot of money. I'm asking you to participate. Because, listen, if you can't be faithful with the little bit that you have now, how will you be faithful when God gives you a six-digit salary? It's much easier to be faithful with little than it is to be faithful with a lot. And so we ask that every student participates. Now, I want to tell you guys real quickly how this works and what we do. So Chi Alpha, we receive an offering every week from students. You can do that uh, at the kiosk in the back uh, with your card or with check or cash. You can also give online on our website. Just click the give button at TroyChiAlpha.com. And all of the offering received from students goes directly for the support of missionaries and evangelistic work here and around the world. And so right now, Troy Chi Alpha supports three missions uh, projects on a monthly basis. I want to introduce you guys to these guys real quick. Um, the first missionary that we support, and they are serving in... Um, and so we support them financially on a monthly basis. The next next missionaries we, we support are... Are going to Pioneer Chi Alpha at Morehouse to Pioneer Chi Alpha Group at an HBCU here in the southeast, and so uh, we we support them financially. So when you give your student offering, uh, your money goes to these guys, and then we support uh, Chi Alpha's Minority Mobilization Fund. Uh, this is a fund set up by Chi Alpha to help minority missionaries who traditionally have had difficult time raising their money um, get fully funded uh, and get on the field. Um, Right now, guys, our missions for, force is mostly white, and the people we're trying to reach aren't. And so uh, we want to reach the people around the world, and we need, we need diverse teams to go and reach diverse groups of people. And so that's why Chi Alpha invests in the Minority Mobilization Fund as well. And so when you give your offering to Chi Alpha, uh, these are the places uh, that your money goes, uh, and it also helps to serve to reach um, and do evangelism here on campus and do uh, local stuff stateside as well. Every student prays. Now, I know that this seems like a no-brainer, right? Every student should pray. Prayer is the easy one. In fact, when I ask people, what can you do for missions? You'll say, I'll pray. Because that won't cost me anything, right? I don't have to give you any money. I don't have to give up anything. I don't have to give up a week of my spring break to go serve in some, some place that, you know, doesn't have clean water. It's, it's easy to say, I'll, I'll pray. And I think we treat that rather flippantly, and we tend to be very undisciplined about that. And so Chi Alpha has a prayer movement that we want every student to participate in. It's called the 10-2 prayer. Earlier I read to you Luke 10-2, where Jesus says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so what we ask every student to do is to set an alarm at 10-02, and for one minute every day at 10-02, to pray, Luke 10:2, Jesus, would you send laborers into the harvest so that the unreached might hear your word? Every student welcomes. In, an, in a normal year here at Troy, one out of every eight students is an inter international student. 
Usually we have about 70 different nations represented here on our campus, many of which uh, come from places where we have no missionary presence. We believe that we should go and give and pray for the lost peoples of the world, that we ought to send missionaries to every corner of the globe. But it would be silly of us to do that if we couldn't take the time to make one international friend. This is something really simple. You can invite someone to lunch. You can sit down and have a conversation with someone. I know that maybe now there aren't as many international students on our campus as there are in a normal year, but there are still people who come from around the world who never have met a Christian. And you may be the only Christian they ever meet. You can build that relationship and open up a door for the gospel just through your friendship. And we believe that every student can do that. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask uh, Brett to come back up and play for us. We have some cards that we're going to begin passing out now. These cards have on them the opportunities that I just described to you. I know that it may feel like a hard pressure sale today, that maybe I'm putting a lot of pressure on you to make a quick decision, to check a box, to do something. And I'm not asking you to make an irrational decision or a rush decision. I'm not trying to tell you that, well, you're not really a Christian if you don't do everything that I tell you to do tonight, because that's, that's not what I'm saying. I will say this, though. If there is nothing in you that stirs with compassion, if there's nothing in you that makes you grieve for those who've never heard the gospel, I, I would challenge you, maybe you need to re-examine your own heart. Say, Jesus, am I really in love with you? Jesus, have I really received your gospel? And so tonight, I would love for every one of you to check every box. I would love to have $1,000 every month given through Chi Alpha to give to missionaries. I'd love for that to happen. I really would. I think maybe I'm being unrealistic, but that's, that's what I would love to see happen. But here's the thing. I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest with Jesus. And if you're not there yet, don't say you're there. Say, Jesus, this is where I'm at. And I know I should do more, but like right now, it's just hard. And I don't know if I can give that up. And just be honest with Jesus about where you're at. And say yes to what you can say yes to today and say, Jesus, help me with the rest. Tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to sing a song and we're going to worship. And while we worship, I want you to pray over that card you have in front of you. Maybe some of you, you already know and you already fill out the card and that's fine. But I'd like for you to pray. And I'd like for you to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Not what's the, what does the preacher say I have to do? Not what is my small group leader going to say or what, what, would, what would my mom or dad say? Or, but what is Jesus speaking to your heart? So we're going to pray. And we're going to worship and we're going to give Jesus time to speak to us. And then I'm going to come back and we'll close and you'll finish filling out your form. You'll sign your name to the bottom and we'll give you directions from there. Brett's going to lead us in a song. You guys can sit where you're at and pray. You can stand and worship and pray. You can 
whatever you need to do to hear from Jesus. And then we're gonna come back and respond. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Chi Alpha. Thanks for listening.